This is Faith and Fable, a pastoral podcast where we discuss common and often controversial topics from a biblical perspective. I'm Lena. I'm Matt Henry. I am Matt Miller. And I'm Mark. Today we're talking about tongues of love. No, we're not. <laughs> so like and share. So like and share, everybody. Just don't Google it. You got some. <laughs> don't do that. <laughs> don't. Whatever you do. <laughs> Seriously, we didn't Google it, though. We're just telling you not to, because... I yeah. mean, prob- probably nothing good's gonna happen. <laughs> just saying. This is where I wish we had video, just so I could be exempt from this. Everyone looked at my horrified face. <laughs> you're the one. You're the one that. I mean, this is your title, though. This no, is, this is your no, baby right here. No, it's tongues or love. Uh, oh, I see. Yeah, that, yeah. It is an R. It says there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. Oh, I was on the wrong one. Oh, oh no, okay. it do, did you correct it? It did no. always say it says tongues of angels question mark. It, but that was my first title. And then Oh, tongues or love up in the top left. And then tongues of angels. And you guys are conflating <sighs> it. What do you think I what? I don't know. All I'm saying is my scripts don't have these problems. <laughs> <laughs> you don't even have a script <laughs> written. <laughs> well, today was a rough day. Yeah, yeah mine was just a peach piece of cake. <laughs> Get my hair ripped out. <laughs> His sweet pants on though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we, we do need we do need a, a video <laughs> uh, for this. This is also the reason why we don't have video. <laughs> anyway, well, happy birthday. Oh, it's your birthday. Yes. You know what? I deserve that after teasing you about being so well dressed last when was Sunday. I? Oh yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean. Make sure to wish Matt a happy belated birthday (laughs) when this releases. That's a great way to become unfriended. (laughs) (laughs) So what are we talking about, Matt? Um, Tongues of angels. No. And we, well. Well, Well, that's what I started out with, but then I realized, no, it's really about love. Tongues are love, yeah. Well, 13, chapter 13 of Chapter 13. Yeah. So, So we're continuing if you don't know by now, uh, in this series on... <laughs> and by the way, if you haven't learned this about us, we're always continuing. <laughs> Everything's always got another part to it. Yeah. It is what it is. So we're giving a <laughs> <laughs> basic... It's <laughs> like 10 minutes of awesome banter. This is, People are still We should probably give a warning forward, on the uh, thing before they press play. Um, yeah. So we're giving a ba- bi- basic biblical breakdown of tongues or languages um so this is something that can be as we've been saying quite emotional and so we're trying to be helpful rather than just give cheap shots with those who disagree right so so far what have we learned well um first uh tongue should be translated as foreign languages or speech in most situations in the bible but it's not it's just a much more helpful right translation it's not helpful leaving it as tongues. Yeah. Um, in fact, if you were to do that, it would make most of the passages simpler. Um, though we, we didn't do this in the last episode for 1 Corinthians 12, we, we should have. We should have replaced tongues with 
languages. That was my fault. Well, so it's worth stating that that you might want to, you know, pencil that into the margin. Uh, four times it's going to be used in chapter 13. Right. In chapter 12. 12. It's only used twice yeah. in chapter um, 13. Yeah. So what else? All right. So we also learned uh, that... The speaking in tongues or languages was a very unique event in Acts, even though it's always uh, spoken of as if it's uh, normative. In fact, it only occurred three times. Um, so uh, we argued that I have no idea what we argued. Oh, that it's used three times. Yeah, yeah. A Acts two. Yeah, Acts ten and Acts nineteen. And it never gives any indication that it was some kind of a weird, ecstatic, ecstatic speech. It, it was clearly foreign languages, and right. it should just be left right there. Yeah. We also uh, saw that it's not, it, um, that the issue of tongues is not prominent in the rest of the New Testament, uh, I guess with the exception of 1 Corinthians. Um, and then it is only to correct a situation going on here in, in Corinth. Um, so it's not even like it's being used to endorse or praise anybody. Right. So in the Corinthian church, there was this problem, and it's a huge one, uh, with these power struggles between various peoples who are vying for prominence. Actually, it's very similar to what we see today. Um, that They were known in the book as the spirituals and are referred to throughout the book. So uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, 1, it says, now concerning spiritual gifts, but the word gifts is in italics because it's actually not there. It's actually, he says, now concerning the spirituals is what he's speaking of. And so it's much bigger than just spiritual gifts. He's describing these people who are claiming to be the spiritual ones. And part of that manifestation is the speaking in tongues and, and such like that. So Yeah. And then behind the whole mess in Corinth was uh, the desire to for these these people to use their position and skills um, for themselves and not for the common good. And in fact, um, we can't emphasize that enough um, for chapters 12 through 14. And we actually began back in chapter eight, eight I believe, yeah. where we're just showing that the common theme and occasion for which Paul is writing is because of that disunity and lack of love. So in other words, Paul is not really teaching about tongues. He's te teaching about something much bigger than that. Right. Uh, but tongues is one of the issues that are creating the problem. Um, and then finally, when Paul engages with the issue of tongues or the speaking in these foreign languages in chapter 12, he puts it at the bottom of the list of importance. And that, that's where we started to bring things to a close the last podcast. And, but it's quite the opposite of most people's uh, experience with regard to tongues when they go to these various church gatherings where tongue speaking is front and center. Yeah, very it, prominent. It, it, it is the thing. And in fact, a person often is questioned whether or not they've experienced the fullness of God's blessing or in some circles, have they even been saved right. because they've not uh, experienced the speaking in tongues. Yeah. And then he left off with that uh, intriguing statement where he gives the command to earnestly desire the greater gifts. Um of which, by the way, tongues is not remotely one. Um, and then he says, but I show you, I'll show you an even more excellent way. And that's where we left off. Right. So that takes us into chapter 13. And again, what we're trying to do is lay down, instead of a, a topical study, we're trying to show you within the context of the the book of First Corinthians, how this whole issue is developed, because it, it helps in understanding the topic of, of tongue speaking. So... Our next point that we're going to make tonight is that spiritual gifts of any type mean 
that means absolutely nothing in the long run. So we really ought to stop dwelling on them. It's, it's such a minor, minor, minor point in all of the Bible. But uh, in 1 Corinthians, especially, he's gonna, he's, what he's going to be making the point in 1 Corinthians 13 is that it's actually a very minor issue. So stop making it a major issue. So uh, Corinth is all about gifts. It's all about spirituality. It's all about power from on high. And they're debating all these fine points of this gift and that gift and who's more spiritual. And so the bad lines get drawn as to which gifts are the better ones. And Paul's, Paul says basically sarcastically, he's like, good job, guys. You managed to miss the whole point of gifts. And you managed to fail at the most important and also most basic level, which is love. So so well done. And that's really what he's saying here in chapter 13. There's, it's actually got quite a bit of sarcasm bit, built in. I might yeah, add, there's an edge to him. Uh, okay. Yeah, uh, I might add that Second Corinthians is an exceedingly sarcastic book. He is filled with sarcasm to the highest uh, with this church. These were a, this was a this is not a praiseworthy church. This this one. <coughs> are you going to be okay with it? Yeah, I'm going to be all right. You sure? I'm, you I'm want, trying to. I'm trying would to. Would you pull, like a breath mint? Trying to pull it together. Yeah, you should. Uh, you know what? Actually, I'll take a breath mint right now. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Again, if we had a video camera, you would have seen me hurling a <laughs> package of breath mints. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a bad shoulder. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> We're hurting ourselves throwing breath mints around. This is so dumb. Yeah. But that's the way we roll. Anyhow. Oh. All right. So when we're talking about uh, chapter 13, um, it doesn't deal with the issue of tongues or foreign languages in any significant way. In fact, there's only two mentions of it. And so we're not going to get into tongues so much uh, uh, into in this one. It's going to be a shorter podcast. And, um, and we're not going to break down the entire chapter because we are trying to deal with more specifically tongues. But the very first mention is in verses 1 through 3. Uh, so let's go ahead and read that. If I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I have become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I deliver my body to be burned, but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Okay, so here he's he's using hyperbolic language to make his point, but it's a point that has absolutely nothing to do with Quote the, the language of angels, right? right. Um, and, and hyperbole is just exaggeration for the sake of emphasis. I think that's right. the quick right. and dirty definition. Um, and and so each point here that he's writing, he, he's, he's taking it to its fullest extent to show that without love, there's no value. Um, and so he's using a common logical argument here. And, and Paul does this often um, where he actually argues from the greater to the lesser. Um, meaning if, if these extreme examples are true, then how much more true are mm -hmm. going to be the lesser things? Um, and so uh, an example of this, for instance, is Romans 8.32. Um, it says, he who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how will he not also with him freely give us all things? And so he's just making that extreme right. example. If he gave his son, who's the greatest, right. then how much more everything right. else, which is right. less. Um, what would be another? Oh, well, the opposite would be in like Matthew seven eleven, where it says, if you then being evil 
know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, who's in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? So mm-hmm. there it's going the exact opposite way. Um, is that if, if we're able to give good gifts and we're evil, then God, who's good, what is it that he's going to give? So it's a very common logical argument. That's all Paul is using here. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, this is what he's doing. And so he, he's pretending to be um, a man who is possessing a certain gift to the greatest or the highest degree. And so when he says here then, um, and of angels, uh, he's not saying there's some kind of angelic language that you can speak um, as a human. Right, you you can't speak right. this angelic language. That's not what he's saying. Um, it is simply a language that that is higher than that of humanity. Um, now, now there may be an angelic language. Yeah, we, we're not debating yeah, whether there is one or not. Right, that's not the point. Um, but but you can't know if there is from this text, or to be frank, from any other text in the Bible. In fact, when angels talk at any other place in the Bible, they speak, they're speaking in human, human language. language. Right. Yeah. Um, but it's not the point of the verse anyway. Right, um, and it's also worth noting that um, in this passage, two other examples um, are given that he's then taking to the extreme again. He's speaking in hyperbolic terms, um, almost absurdly so. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's like you know, you know every single mystery, or you are yeah. able to. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 the way he's writing it, he's trying to take it all the way to the fullest length that you could take it. Right. Um, to show you that even at that point, without love. There's right. no value. Yeah. Um, so instead of him trying to say, hey, you know what? This is the time to let everyone in on the grand secret that when people are babbling, what they're really doing is speaking in the tongues of angels. Yeah. That's not and his it, point. I mean, if you've been following the argument since chapter eight, mm-hmm. that makes zero sense. No. Right? Well, yes, it yeah. makes zero <laughs> <Yeah>. sense. <laughs> so, so what we're going to say then is don't try and build any practice or doctrine regarding tongues on verse one here of chapter no. 13. Yeah, and yet there's whole books on heavenly language. Yeah, well, and they sell. So, well, they sell. They're make you, you're money. right. Yeah. Um, so from here, then he's going to give a series of verbs. Uh, this is a famous love section um, that describe what love looks like. Uh, to quote John Mayer, "Love is a verb." Is that who wrote that? I don't know who wrote that. Who wrote that? He sings it. Oh, I, there's an actual mm. book that. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. come on! Show, Who, it's he, showing our age because there was Bob a, Dylan. One well, to Mayer over here. What did he? What did he say? Stop it! It's not John Mayer. Who's, we call her? who's John Mayer? No. He's a guy who excuse me. And, no. <laughs> you know who John Mayer is? No. Mark's about to keep people. I'm out a of Christian. Go look That's up true. the John Mayer. Yeah. Tree. Do you like blues? Oh. Do you like blues? Kay. No. Oh, then do, you like, do you like John Mayer live? Is it live at the Nokia Theater or something like that? The well, one in Los Angeles? You know what? You guys are still trying to get me to know who this person is like I should know him. He's no, a blues sh- guitarist. No, he's fantastic. Okay, but I don't know him. Okay. And to all of I'll you, send you some stuff. that hate John Mayer, go listen to his trio. Like, Stop it. And yeah. to the rest of you who don't care like me, I'm with you. Like Christians? <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah. 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 So right. anyhow, right. yeah, there's also a book like written Kanye. probably before John Mayer called love is a verb all right anyhow (laughs) that's not the point of this podcast um but where it says love is patient love is kind etc etc the point of the verses is showing that love is not an emotional feeling but it actually acts itself out in certain clear way and if you are reading all of first corinthians you realize that he's choosing 
descriptors that are problematic in the Corinthian church. So when he's saying that love is patient, what he's doing is he he knows full well they're not being patient with right. each other or nor kind to each other. Uh, and, oh, they are remembering a wrong suffered. <laughs> so, you know, what he's trying to show them is, look, your bigger problem is that there's no love going on here, uh, not biblical love, not true love. And you guys have figured out how to parse to the nth degree your debate over tongues and prophecy and the value and who's more spiritual yeah. and you've managed to miss the whole point. And that's, that's what's key. Yeah. Um, and then his next main point is that the reason that love is the most excellent thing is that um, it is all that's going to remain ultimately in, in eternity. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is, again, the key thing to grasp here. Uh, verse eight picks up on this point in a very simple and pointed way. He just says, love never fails. Uh, That's you know, it. it requires absolutely no exegesis. None. Um, but we're going to do a little bit. Yeah. I mean, it's a little interesting point, but the term fail uh, actually carries the sense of to fall into decay or to be abolished, to kind of just disappear into vapor. Um, Luke 16, 17 uses it, for instance, to speak of the fact that not one stroke of the letter of the scriptures is going to fail or pass away. Um, then the word never, uh, well, it means never. Yeah. It's um, a time word. Yeah. Um, and so there, there's never going to be a time in all of eternity where you will not find love or that love will fail. Right. Um, well, that's remember Paul is really, uh, uninterested in the believers in Corinth or in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where we live, or in London, England, or over in Uganda, since we have listeners over there, um, figuring out every little detail about the issue of tongues um, or anything else about spiritual gifts. What he would rather them do, and all of us do, is spend a lot more time pursuing the discipline of learning to love one another in a manner he just described, because it's the one thing that will never fail. And now he's going to make that point even stronger in, right. in the next verse. Well, well, Paul is a very gifted didactic teacher. And so if he wanted to lay out didactically what tongues is, he would have. Yeah. But he just doesn't. And, no. And he's not going to do it in the middle of this whole section either, which is how you have to interpret 13.1 if you think there are tongues of angels. Right. But um, so having made the, the strong statement that love uh, is never going to disappear or fail. He then he then picks out three spiritual gifts to make his point, and this is kind of picking up on what you said, right? Um, but he he picks up on three spiritual gifts, and and so why these three, namely prophecy, languages, and knowledge? Um, well, likely there's two reasons. You want to give? Them? Yeah, the first one is that tongues and knowledge, um, or languages and knowledge, um, and what he means there is most likely the gift of a word of knowledge that he referenced uh, in the previous chapter, they were creating a lot of problems because you're claiming that you have this word of knowledge from on high or that you're speaking in these tongues. Um, and so they were likely the ones creating a lot of the problems. But then the second reason is that according to chapter 14, verse 1, which we'll get into Lord willing the next time, um, is that prophecy was the gift of choice for Paul. He's like, if 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 you're going to have a gift... You want to get to prophecy. And the question is why? And he makes it very clear because it's the one that builds up the body. Well, the speaking in other languages can't do that unless you have an interpreter. Right, right. In fact, some people argue that if you speak in tongues and then you have an interpreter, it becomes prophecy. Hmm. 
Um, that's a, but we'll get into that next time. Uh, so by speaking of the least uh, of the gifts, tongues and knowledge, and the greatest of the spiritual gifts, prophecy, all the other gifts end up getting embraced anyhow. So by picking those three, he's, right. he's kind of bookending them both and saying, in other words, all the gifts are, are involved here. Yeah. So, so spiritual gifts, by definition, are never complete, right? They're, they're right. not designed to be. And so, so we, we prophesy in part, we know in part, and why? Um, because we're on this side of eternity of the new heavens and the new earth. And so making all these spiritual gifts partial, uh, then it requires Corinth to actually have to work together for the common good of everyone. Um, right. Because no one has all the gifts. Except for one lady I know in Texas. Well, um, oh, no. honestly, we... Uh, I, I, mean, I mean, they're out there. You know. Well, when I had... I don't know if anybody else. You guys ever take a spiritual gift inventory test? Oh yeah, I've taken I believe we're before. going here though. Yep. The dumbest things in the world, um, and of course, it's not that well done. So you can always manage to get the gift you're looking for, sure. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But this one lady in the church that Kim and I uh, helped start, actually, we started this church in Houston before I moved out to train to be a pastor. When when she was done taking the test, her husband, who was an elder announced to the church that her his wife was unique because she literally had all the gifts. Mm. And I remember she sat there and just was beaming. And I'm like, I was still immature, and I'm like, that just doesn't sound right. She cheated. Yeah, it's like, huh, I don't think so. But Well, if the test says it. Well, <laughs> I mean, who, yeah. who, who are you to? That's, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> aside from her, no one else has all the gifts. Though, right. Uh, because everything's in part. So the point that's being made is that these gifts only exist until something called the perfect comes. The Bible? Says, huh? The Bible? No, it's not the Bible. Oh, shoot. Um, the term speaks actually of maturity or completion, and probably a little mix of both are here. It's it's looking to a time when this age is finished, right. and we enter into eternity, when, when finally all things are summed up in Christ, and we enter into the new heavens and earth. So right. once that event's happened... Um, the church will no longer be like a child. And that's the imagery he's used. Like when I was a child, I act like a child. I spoke like a child. When I became an adult, I put away these childish things. Again, he's not talking about just human development there. He's, he's saying, right now, Corinth, you're acting like a child. <laughs> and all of us are acting like children. But there's coming a day when all things will be made new and we'll put these things away. Um, that's also why he uses that imagery of right now we're looking through things through a dimly through a mirror right, and right. mirrors back then were not that good. Right. Um, again, all kinds of opinions that take place in, in today's society about theology and doctrine. Why is that? Well, because we're looking through things dimly. We, we don't see everything like we ought to. Um, but once we enter into eternity, all of that's going to be resolved. Um, and everyone will know as they ought to know. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so right now, Paul says, um, there is faith, hope, and love, but that the greatest of these is love. Um, so, so faith and hope will be realized in eternity. Um, no longer will they exist. Um, interesting. Carson argues that they do, but in a little nuanced way. Um, but no longer will they exist and how much, um, more than will the gifts no longer be needed. Um, but love is permanent, and that's his point. Um, and so he, he is saying love is better, um, and working at love is better than dividing 
over everything. Right. And over your gift. Right. Yeah. So next time we hit chapter 14. Yep. And until then, make sure to tune in, join the conversation, let us know what you think, and don't forget to like, share, comment, rate, and review, and tell all your friends. Mm -hmm.